Hi, this is Jeff. If you have any interest in supporting this podcast, you can visit patreon.com backslash evolving podcast for more information. Thank you. Hey, just a quick warning. If you're offended by colorful language or if you're listening to this with kids, you might want to skip this one. If not, uh, I think you'll have fun with it. This is Jeff Grant's Evolving Podcast. My name is Peter Greenwood. I am not Jeff Grant, but here with me. We are talking so many things. And when we come back, we are going to continue this conversation. But first, here's Kesha. Stay with us, will you? Listening to Jeff Grant's Evolving Podcast, a podcast dedicated to being inconsistent. Today, I have my friend uh, Peter Greenwood on. We, you are okay. This is you're my first uh, international guest. Am I really? I think so. I think I think that's so. pretty exciting. You're in. Or, I, I know the answers to some of these questions, but you're in Glasgow or. Just outside Glasgow, about half an hour outside Glasgow, in a small town called Greenock. Okay, cool. And you're like six hours ahead of me. Yes, that's something that I think a lot of people get confused about the time zone, or they forget about the time zone differences, because you're Central America, which is six hours behind me. So while it's still early evening for you, it's three o'clock in the morning for me. Yeah, I, I, oh yeah, I feel kind of bad about you having to do this at this time. Or we were going to oh. do it earlier, and then you were feeling kind of tired or something. Yeah, busier. yeah, it happened because I was feeling kind of uh, exhausted because there's building work going on in my roof, and I've got a cat, and she's kind of a a turd. So I had to, I wasn't, I haven't been sleeping very well. So it yeah. got around the time we were due to record, and I said to Jeff, "Could we maybe record a little bit later?" And Jeff was kind enough to indulge me, and I was going to go to sleep, but I couldn't sleep for a second. So here we are. <laughs> Um, we've talked a little bit about stuff like this already, like what I was wanting, cause, uh, with my podcast, it's kind of, uh, like I've been a homegrown sort of thing and starting just interviewing friends and family members and that kind of thing. So I might, I, I kind of wanted to pick your brain about just interviewing and I, I guess, hold on, before I do that, like I wanted to talk about what you do for your job. I guess radio presenter is the technical term, but it's also known as being a DJ or being a pain in the ass or however you want to say. <laughs> I should have asked before we started recording. Am I allowed to swear? I don't care. You go for it. <laughs> fart, 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 fart. I apologize. Sorry. Yes, I am a radio presenter by trade. It's what I do. How, how long have you been doing this? I've been doing it for coming up on eight years now. In oh, fact, okay. almost exactly eight years because I would have started in college around about this week, eight years ago. So, yeah, it's been. Yeah, you started eight like years. in college, like when you started. Yes. Well, I when I was in high school, I wanted to do television. I wanted to work behind the scenes. I wanted to do cameras. And when I wanted to be a writer, I've always kind of wanted to be something creative. I wanted to be a writer. Actually, I tell a lie. First, I wanted to be a performer. Can I t- can I, may I tell a story? Go for it, please. Well, I was in about fourth year in high school, which oh, I was about 15, 16 years old. I don't know how it evens out to the U.S. school system. I'm a bit hazy on it. But I was, it was in what we call fourth year, which is about 16, 15, 15, 16 years old. And I had this guidance teacher whose name I won't say. We'll call him Mr. F is what we'll call him. Okay. And this guidance teacher was kind of asking what I wanted to do. Now, it's important for context to understand where I grew up. I grew up in a tiny little town on the west coast of Scotland. It's called Campbelltown. And there was nothing there to do. Now, when when people say nothing, they normally mean... Oh, there wasn't very much. I mean, nothing. There was no after-school programs. There was no drama club. There was no kind of 
English club, no kind of debating club. Anything that you guys have over there for after school, we didn't have squat. We had nothing, okay? Mm-hmm. So I'd always kind of wanted to be some kind of performer, kind of a comedian or an actor or something like that nature, right? And so I went to see Mr. F, my guidance counselor, my guidance counselor. And I said to him, he said to me, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I kind of like to be an actor. I'd like to be a performer. And he said to me, I remember this. I'm going to remember it until the day one of us dies. And it's likely to be him because he's older than me. <laughs> I, he said to me, I want to grow wings and fly out the window, but we don't all get what we want. <laughs> A guidance teacher said that. <laughs> Quit dreaming kind of thing. Oh my Basically. Gosh. Like, oh I admit God. I'm not going to be Jim Carrey, okay? But to flat out say something like that to a 15, 16-year-old kid who is coming to you with what is kind of a, a closely guarded dream kind of thing. So I admit he had to maybe kind of temper my expectations, but then he also could have been like, well, why don't we look into getting you into some kind of performance school up in Glasgow, some kind of drama club, some kind of something like that up in Glasgow, which is about three and a half, four hours away from where I grew up. Nothing like that. He said to me, we all want to go. No, he said, I want to go wings and fly out the window. We don't all get what we want. So yeah. In my mind, so like f- I'm thinking like he was like a he had dreams to be a performer, too, and they were shut down when he was young. And he, he just like feels like. I don't know. That's just me. You know what? I've had that exact thought over the years, because it's been years since this happened. I'm 33 years old now, and that was, you know, 15, 16-year-old kid who said that to. And I've had that thought, because he's trapped in that building, and he's going to be there forever. And he must have wanted to do something other than be a guidance teacher slash maths teacher. So maybe... Maybe that's what his problem was. Who knows? So I figured if I couldn't work on screen, I'd be behind the scenes. I'd be a writer. I'd be a camera operator. And that's what I initially went to college to study. Uh, so I did Can I have media. A, I have a quick question. Oh, yes. So, okay. So when he said that you believe you kind of were like, okay, he must be right. Or to an extent, I'm wondering how you yeah. reacted in your mind like a, a, to what he said. Well, when he said it, I was really angry and really disappointed because it felt like he was the gatekeeper. Like, you tell him what he wants and what you want, and he'll help you do it. So when he said something like that, I was like, wait, what? That's that's not what you're supposed to say. You're supposed to do something. So I was so angry and so disappointed, and it felt a lot like, well, if he says it, it's not going to happen, so what am mm. I? Right. what am I doing this for? In a way, it was pretty devastating. Did that make you want to go to the behind-the-scenes part of the of, uh, the so. performing, I guess? Or or did that have anything yeah, to do I, with it? I think it did. I think I've always wanted to kind of, for want of a better term, entertain people and give them something fun to mm-hmm. do. So I figured if I couldn't do it on camera, I'd do it behind the scenes. So I started writing. I've written tons of stuff over the years nothing's ever happened to it but i've written it was a big thing i did for a while so i went to college uh did media for that first year which i failed then i came back and did it again which i also failed and then in my third year in college i took a performance class which i passed oh okay well good good job so f that guy (laughs) I'm ridiculously proud that I managed to pass that third year. Uh, so I passed the third year. And if you passed, the fir- passed what was the NC level, because it was my third year at college, but it's still the first level. So you do the NC, and then you go in and do something called a HNC, which is a higher national certificate. And I started doing television there, which is what I'd always wanted to do. I'd gone to school with the idea I'd do the first year in media, learn about it, then go on to do television. But I had a family situation. My mother was taken unwell, so I had to drop out of that HNC course. Sorry, sorry about that. I'm sorry. It's... I've I've heard you talk about that before. Yeah, I've guess, talked so. about it in the past, and I don't want to dwell a bit, dwell yeah. on it a bit. But it is kind of part of the story. Sure. She ended up uh, 
passing away, which kind of hit me hard, as yeah, you can imagine. Of course. So for about a year or so, maybe, yeah, for a year or so after we lost her, it was 2009, it's coming up on the 10th anniversary of losing my mum. So for a year or so, I didn't do anything with my life. I woke up at whatever time I woke up at. I played Call of Duty literally all day and then went to bed. That was my life. That was my existence. And I was kind of involved with a, oh, this is going to be a big story. There's a massive story here, Jeffrey. <laughs> uh, so I was kind of involved with a girl at the, at the time and relationship turned sour, which is something we'll get to. But I think she liked it at that point because she was the one who had the job and had the career and was moving forward, whereas I was just doing nothing. I was just existing. So I figured about a year or so later that I'd go back to college. I'd do something. I'd make my mum proud, but it was a bit too early to go back that up, to go back after a year. Mm-hmm. So the next year, I applied for a drama college up in, in Rennes, which is up in the Highlands of Scotland, about maybe six hours away from here. Mm-hmm. And I figured if I'd done the first level of drama, then it shouldn't be too difficult to do the second le- second year in drama. So I went out there, I did my audition. Have you ever seen the movie Clerks? Yeah, yeah. You know the end of the, you know the scene towards the end of a film after Dante and Randall have that fight, and they're laying in the aftermath, and Dante's like, "I'm not even supposed to be here today," and Randall's like, "Fuck you, fuck you, pal, not even supposed to be here today." And he goes off in this massive rant at Dante. I think that was it's my, been a long time since I've seen that movie. Sorry. Yeah. That was, so that that's was where my you audition were. piece. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was my audition piece for drama school. And now I think back on it, going into a, into a drama room and yelling, fuck you, fuck you, pal, at the drama teacher probably wasn't the best idea to get into the course. But I thought I was being edgy and kind of, yeah, I'm passion, I'm raw, look at me, I can say <laughs> F you to a, to a lecturer. Arr. So that didn't work. Uh, I'd also applied to go back to the college I was at before to study television. And they told me when I left, when you want to come back, it's fine. We'll let you back in. So I figured I'd be clever. I'd show them that I could do this. And I went away and I made a short little film. Now, this also speaks to another kind of inspiration of mine. There's another story here. There's stories upon stories here, Jeff. I apologize for taking up all the show. Uh, Conan O'Brien, who used to do The Tonight Show. He's been a big comedy inspiration of mine. And you'll remember he left for tonight's show. Oh, yeah. Ten. Yep. Yeah, that was, oh, yeah, it was right around that time, wasn't it? Yep, early 2010, January, he left for tonight's show because Jay Leno wanted him. Uh, so Conan went out on tour later on in 2010, and he put together a video where he'd been out of work, he'd gained weight, he'd grown this massive beard, and I thought, wouldn't it be funny if I put together a video for college so I basically ripped off this entire Conan thing. It was shots of me looking all sad. I had a big beard. I stuffed pillows up my shirt. I looked dirty and and miserable. And it was just me skulking around. Same as the Conan video. I think and I saw the that. Of, the Conan you would have, yeah, you would have seen it. It would have been up online somewhere. And if you you like Conan, you would have seen it. So at the end of the video, I I get this phone call from the college, and I'm like, "Am I ready to go back?" And I look into the camera and I say. Yes, I am. And I do a freeze because I'm playing Monopoly by myself. And I throw the Monopoly board up in the air and there's a freeze frame of all the pieces coming down. And that was going to be the video. That was my audition piece, for want of a better term, to get back into college. So I'm very proud of this video. I'm like, look what I did, look what I did. I go up and I sit with a lecturer who we'll call R for this this example. So I'm sitting with R in the edit room and he's like, well, I don't know if you quite understand the point of television. I don't know if you quite get it. And I'm like, motherfucker, there's not much to get. It's not difficult. <laughs> Which it is, but I, I kind of, oh, this is going to sound terribly arrogant. I know enough to get me in. So I'm like, okay, I made this video. I made this video. Watch this video. And I put on the video and it gets exactly... 12 seconds into it 
And he says to me, so who's filming this? And I'm like, I did. I filmed it. And he's like, so you held the camera the whole time. Now, I had people coming over for shots that were moving shots, and I had it on tripods for something. So I didn't hold the camera the entire time because I'm in the fucking thing. What am I, what am I supposed to do? I'm not an octopus. So I'm like, well, some people helped out. And he stopped it. He stopped the video at 12 seconds. And he said, I'm not going to watch this because you didn't do it yourself. So there's no point in you being on the course. Wow. And I'm like, are you shitting me? Because, what, you think Steven Spielberg holds the camera? You think he does every single shot himself? You think all these directors go out there and they're like, okay, I can't put my name in this film unless I physically hold the camera and press stop and start. I was enraged. I was so angry at that. I'm still mad about it. So that happened. So I'd been turned down for this course in Inverness. I'd been turned down for the television course. And my last shot, my last roll of the dice was I applied for a HNC radio course. Didn't expect to do it. I'd never really done radio. In fact, I'd never done radio apart from like when I was seven years old and I was in hospital and hospital radio came to interview me and they asked me, song i wanted so that was my first and last experience with radio really and nobody was more surprised than i was when i got an interview to go to the radio course and nobody was more surprised than i was when i was accepted onto the radio course so (laughs) that's how it all started that's the origins of leading up to radio and and did it did you kind of just get right into it or did it take you was it yeah. Like, how did, how was uh, getting into it? Like, what was that like at that in that, that or like early on? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Early on, it was kind of tricky because I don't like my own voice. I've never liked my own voice. And now most people will say, "Oh, I don't like listening to my voice." I can't stand it. I used to have like a physical reaction to it. And so I decided I wanted to be behind the scenes. I wanted to produce things. I wanted to be the guy who pressed the buttons. I didn't want to be on air at all. Nope, not for me. Nothing gonna happen. Never happening. In fact, the first, it was about maybe two weeks into it, and we had to go into the studio and record something. And you know how radio DJs have headphones on? Mm-hmm. I used to think that the headphones was for listening to music start listening to sound cues or something, listening to what was happening on the show without hearing their voices. Now, I put on headphones, and I remember this link specifically. It was... Oh, I've forgotten what it was now. I said I remember it. I was doing some kind of fake weather report. I had to be like, this is R&R weather, blah, 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 blah. So I got... There's audio that exists of this. I will try to find it. I don't know when I'll find it, but I will try to find it. Uh, It exists of me... Because I put the faders up, put the headphones on, and this is what you hear. This is Aranava. Oh, fuck, that's me. I'm not doing this. That's what you hear on this recording. Because I didn't know you could hear my... I didn't know you could hear your own. So, initially, I wanted to be behind the scenes. And what made me want to go on air is I had a classmate who we'll call Jay for this, this story. And Jay was not very good at doing anything. To put it nicely, I'm being nice here. (laughs) This is me being nice, Jeff. So he was going to interview the student president. And I didn't like the idea of our class being represented by him. And so to stop him from doing it, I said, I'll do it, I'll do it. So I did this interview with the student president, and that was the first time I really was on air. And since then, I've kind of just kept going. And now, I mean, this is your main job. I might be jumping too far ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, we've gone from my my first month in college to 2019. (laughs) No, this is what I do. I do a little show here in the UK. I do a show in America. I sometimes stream on twitch so being in front of a camera being in front of the microphone it's kind of i do did so did you i guess as you were learning did you get a lot of i'm backing up again i jumped a little too no, far no, ahead. not at all did you uh i guess spend spend your college those or a few years uh kind of learning the basics of i guess the technical side yeah. of 
recording yeah. and everything. The course was fantastic because it gave you a the man who used to do it. He's a man we'll call John Collins because that's his name. I'm not afraid to say his name, but I like John very much. John is the kind of man who will encourage you to make mistakes so that you know not what to do. That's a good I, good idea for when you're learning. That's probably a good yeah, thing. It's exactly what I needed. And he was so supportive. It was ridiculous. because I'd only ever had one college experience before this. And so when I met John and when I started the course, it was like night and day from other college courses I've had. I adore John Collins. He's he's responsible for this. So all, all listeners send your angry emails to John. He's responsible for me. But John was a fantastic man. He's the kind of guy who's forgotten more about radio than I And he's just a good guy to have in your corner. I feel like there's just a lot of little things to have to learn specifically like yes like what's a good microphone what's a what's a good way to record this thing like what and also like well, what in the business of radio or i guess where are you gonna run the show like where are you gonna air the show that kind mm-hmm. of stuff this those are question. all decisions no it's okay i'll answer as best i can when you start when i start i can only speak for my experiences i don't really want for anybody else's because I'm not anybody else I can only speak for myself and when I started I used to not be very good I used to have a segment which I call TV recap where I talk about like The Walking Dead or Glee and play audio clips from those shows as for segments of what had happened and I couldn't get into the rhythm of doing a thing like that because I'd write the script, and then I'd have a new idea while I was recording it, but I'd already written the script to match up with the audio clip of the character saying something. Mm. So that was difficult to work my way around. And also when I wasn't doing some, when I was just doing an ordinary link, it was tricky to remember the order to say things in, because I can I can do it now off the top of my head, so like, this is the Peter Greenwood Show. Hello there. How are we today? It is today. The time is 23 minutes 6. I am your host, Peter Greenwood. Coming up today, we have a very special interview. But first, here's this song from Kesha. Stay well, this won't you? See, it just kind of comes the more you do it. Right. I can slip into it. Uh, but at the start, it was very much like, uh, I'm Peter. I'm Peter Greenwood. This is the lunchtime show. It's lunchtime. And I'm going to be doing songs for you later. There's a song with Elton John. And and the time is 12 minutes past 12. And this, you see, there was just mm-hmm. nothing to it. It was kind of terrifying. So it is really, I know it's cliche to say it, but the more you do it, or you get into the swing of it, it's kind of different from, forgive me, I don't want to be condescending, but it's kind of different from podcasting. Because when yeah, you're definitely. doing live radio, you can you have to say certain things, like give the station name, give your name. Because the theory is, is that at any moment, somebody could be listening to you for the first time. So if you don't say who, then they're not going to know. Mm-hmm. That's why when I'm doing live stuff, you'll hear me say, this is the Peter Greenwood Show, my Greenwood, so that people know who I am and what the station is. But when you're doing a podcast, people have actively seeked. Is seeked a word? Seeked, suck, uh, sucked. sought, or sought? Yes, sought is good. Yes, people have actively sought you out, so you don't need to keep saying, "This is the Peter Greenwood Show" kind of thing. I always like it when I'm listening listening to a podcast and they <laughs> they'll say like, "You're listening to blah blah." I'm like, "Why are you saying?" Mm-hmm. Some people, yeah. do, I don't know if they do it as a joke or, but. Uh, do you do your show like how many days a week are you doing your like live show? I'm currently doing the live show one day a week. It's on a Sunday. I used to do drive time, which is four nights a week. But uh, in parentheses, I left that show. If you follow my meaning, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. 
Yeah. Uh, so I only do the Sunday show in the UK, and it's called the Peter Greenwood Show. And the reason it's called the Peter Greenwood Show is so it'll be harder to fire and replace me. <laughs> I you... made that joke on, on the first show, and it's not really a joke. I made it because I was fired. And I'd never had a Peter Greenwood show before. All the shows I'd done have been such and such, like The Vault with Peter Greenwood, or The Big Drive Home with Peter Greenwood. It had never been a Peter Greenwood show. So when I was doing this new show, I was like, right, I'm going to call it the Peter Greenwood show so that if anybody wants to fire me, can't take my name. How would you describe what the Peter Greenwood show is? I've listened to a little bit of it, but probably not enough to get a good idea of... Oh, wow, Jeff, you broke my heart. Is that... A... <laughs> uh, I have 12 listeners. Now I know that you're not one. Thank you, Jeff. Oh my gosh. Uh, no, I would describe it as kind of comedy, he says, optimistically. <laughs> I like to think it's kind of a comedy show, although I, I hate saying it's a comedy show. I hate calling it a talk show. To me, a talk show is kind of all talk and I play music. So, kind of a comedy talk show, I guess. It's been called many different things. So many people have said, Oh, it's like a late night talk show radio. That's nice. Do you record these before and then air them like, like edited, or do you do it? Do you do it live, like on Sunday? I was going to say it depends on the day, but nine times out of ten, in fact, ten times out of ten, for the new show, I only do pre-recorded interviews. I don't do interviews live, but the rest of the show I'll do live. But then if I don't want studio i can do a pre-record and submit that to, to the station and they'll air it out okay gotcha so it can be kind of helpful sometimes because you do get into a headspace where you're like cannot do it this weekend but something needs to go out so you can put together a bunch of best of clips and stuff which is which is nice i guess okay so we're kind of like doing a uh you had this idea to do like a um a crossover event. Yes, for, uh, we're doing a crossover event. So we're you're on my podcast right now, and then after this, mm -hmm. we're gonna like switch around, and I'm gonna be on your radio show. Or... Yep. The idea is that this is going to be a two parter. It's like when Supergirl goes over to the Arrow. <laughs> I'm Supergirl. Can I be Supergirl? Or do you want to be Arrow? Uh, do you want to be Supergirl, or do you? I wouldn't mind being Supergirl, but if you if you want to be Supergirl, please feel free. I think more people on the Discord would like to see you in the Discord than me. I guess I'll sure for for uh, listeners like to get more listeners. I will be Supergirl. Like yeah, that's fine. There you go. Yeah, okay. fantastic. Sounds, I've yeah, no problem with that. But you, the idea is that. Sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I keep cutting you off. No, no. I keep on going to answer questions. Uh, that's one of the, if I may, again another thing. That's one of the things that people fear when going from radio to podcast is that on radio you're programmed as a presenter to not let there be any silence every second has to be full you need to be speaking every second there needs to be absolutely no dead space and if there is dead space and wasting airtime you can't waste any airtime so you need to constantly speak all the time mm -hmm. whereas <laughs> if you're doing a podcast it can be a bit more relaxed it can be a bit more laid back yeah i don't know if i could keep I don't think I could keep the pace of a radio show. If I, I tried it, I, I it would be a, it would have to be something people like. It'd be like a late night thing, people fall asleep to kind of thing. I, I, could, I can see you doing late night. Like you, have, you have a good voice for a kind of late night love show kind of thing, like a soft, like a soft rock show. I can see you doing that. I was gonna ask you like, because like I think when I'm on when I do your show, it's gonna you're gonna talk. I don't you 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 we're going to talk to me about like music like music like yes. I write songs and stuff do you and and I know that you've it seems it sounds like you've talked to a lot of musicians recently do, mm -hmm. do you mainly talk to musicians or do you talk to like what what type of guests do you usually have I guess is what I'm asking well you're coming on to do the crossover event is going to be a live on special it's what I live on the Peter Greenwood show, which is where every month I'll sit with a musical performer, 
they'll play some of their songs, we'll chat about their life, about their career, things of that nature. But generally on the show, I like talking to interesting people. Yeah. Like, they don't have to be the most necessarily famous people in the world. They just have to be kind of interesting. And they need to kind of... I don't, need, I don't want to say they need to get the show because nine times out of ten people coming in have no idea who the hell I am. It's, who's this guy? <laughs> but I need... For me personally, I need to, to feel that I can talk to them because so many people want to do the three-minute, four-minute interview in and out, quick, bish, bash, bosh. But I want to get to know people. I want to do extended talks with people. Mm-hmm. So that's what I like doing on the show. How long are your, like, on an average, like, how about how long are your interviews usually? Oh, it varies. If it's somebody who's kind of coming on to promote something, it'll be about maybe 10, 15 minutes, maybe 20 minutes at maximum. Mm-hmm. But if it's a friend of the show, somebody who's been on many times, they can sit and chat for half an hour, 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. It varies totally. There was a guest who I had on at the beginning of the year, who I've had on a couple of times now, Tessa Violet. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't sure about how I'd get on with Tessa in that first interview, but within minutes, and not like 10 minutes, 15 minutes, within probably about a minute, I felt like I'd known Tessa my life, and we were just chatting away. And so the second time she came on, there was so much I couldn't air because we'd just get chatting <laughs> and talking away to each other and be like, oh, yay, you shouldn't have said that. Let's <clears throat> cut that bit out. So I spoke to Tessa for about half an hour 40 minutes but we only ended up having about 15 20 minutes of it because we just got chatting away yeah, that's so that's like a good problem kind of that's a fantastic problem to have you always want too much mm-hmm. with a guest than to have too little I, I had a conversation with you recently about just like because one thing i've been wanting to this, this is kind of one a big reason i wanted to talk to you is because you're a professional like interviewing interview person like in your daily in your job you are always talking to different people and it's not necessarily people you know it's people like mm-hmm. i was just kind of i wanted to talk about like what how that is how that works for you like i guess what like what steps you go through or how what what do you do when you're preparing for like an interview and herein lies the trick to interviewing and I know some of this I've told you before, so I beg your indulgence because the audience haven't heard this before. Uh, When I used to do interviews, I used to spend days preparing for people. I'd find out what their favorite colors were. I'd find out what socks they were wearing. I'd find out what they liked on top of their macaroni cheese. But the trick to interviewing, at least, again, this is is where I do it. I can't speak for everybody. This is just the way I do it. The trick to interviewing is to know next to nothing about the person. Hmm. And I'll tell you for why. Because it goes against every instinct you have. Every instinct you have has to is to go on and find out about the person, to ask them questions. But people don't want to hear the host talking about the guest. They want to hear the guest talking about the guest. Yeah. So I could say to you, Jeff, you went to such and such, you were such and such dollar you have a brown cat you wear brown socks why so much brown jeff but people want to hear me say so what high school did you go to jeff what what do you do in your daily life jeff they want to hear you talk about you they don't want to hear me talk about you and that's the attitude i've taken going into interviews the only thing i should know when i go go into an interview is the person's name and the project they're there to talk about. And trust me, <laughs> I forget things easily. So if I'm doing a, doing a phone interview here in the studio on my computer, I'll have the person's name in massive text. Like on Word document, it's like 36 size on Word <laughs> document. Their name and the name of the project they're talking about. Because that's like the main, obviously the main thing they're trying to get across yes anytime. they want to talk about the project they that they're there to talk about is it difficult to get to just jump right in and start just talking to this person i mean if you don't know anything about them i guess is it that tricky can be. it can be tricky uh 
if they're a musician, you can have certain kind of standby musician questions. How long have you been playing music? What kind of music do you listen to? That kind of thing. But I've found, and I've, I've told you this before, but I'm going to tell you it again, so please kind of indulge me. I beg your indulgence. The simplest question you can ask somebody in an interview is, how are you? Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you for why, because how are you is so many doors. It's such a simple thing. So many people think they need to go to interviews and say, so, you, you're here doing this? Tell us about it. Blah, blah, blah. But how are you is such a simple question. Because if somebody's having a good day, you ask them, how are you? Well, I'm doing good. I was just here. I was at this place. I was having lunch. I was doing this. I was doing that. Oh, what did you have for lunch? Well, I had tuna casserole. It was delicious. I love tuna casserole, but I prefer sausages kind of thing. And that leads into the conversation. It's a friendly moment, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But also similarly, if they're having a bad day and they don't want to talk to you and it's raining outside and it's miserable how are you is kind of like i don't want to say it's like a lifesaver for them but a lot of people react to it like oh i've had a bit of a bad day oh how come it's been bad tell us all about it well it's raining outside oh well the rain's awful isn't it it was raining really badly here we were we were flooded two days ago so it brings another set of questions into it and you can commiserate about that so Mm -hmm. how are you is the simplest, easiest way to start a conversation, in in my opinion. This is just the way I do it. How many minutes do you get, like, on average for when you ask, how, how are you? How many? About, it can be, if the person's difficult and they don't want to talk, and I've had a couple of those guests, I'm not going to name names, but I've had a couple of those guests where they just don't want to be there and you don't want to there and nobody wants to talk to each other in those instances how are you doesn't matter they're not going to give you anything but you can get about maybe two minutes two and a half minutes three minutes and in a podcast situation that can also lead to questions further down the road like again going back to the food thing oh i had tuna casserole for lunch so earlier you said about tuna casserole what else was there in options for for lunch it can lead into different avenues is what I'm trying to say. So you can get some good some good time out of how are you? That was uh I wrote down like twenty questions for you and the first one was <laughs> how are you? <laughs> After you told <laughs> Which me. you didn't ask. Yeah, I was Yeah, I didn't get into that yet. <laughs> <laughs> I also find, if I may beg your indulgence again, when you're interviewing somebody and again, I don't want you to think I am, oh, we've been going for like 40 minutes. Is time an issue? Because we've been going for about 40 minutes. That's fine. I've taken up the entire thing, for which I apologize. Uh, I find that when you're starting to interview somebody, a lot of people go into an interview thinking of the audience, which is fine. There is an audience. But I've often told guests, don't talk to the audience. Talk to me. Because I'm in front of you, and I am asking you the questions. And I find that helps put a lot of people at ease, because so many people imagine the audience out there listening and judging. But if you tell them that you're talking to them, which obviously you are, but if you tell them them to let that be their focus, then they'll give you a better better return. That's just what I've noticed. That makes sense. To each their own. That makes sense. I've noticed with uh, with this podcast when I'm talking to people, it's like it, it's kind of like a challenge. Like for me personally, like I, I'm kind of like I'm always trying to be like in the moment with the person, but in my mind, I'm like I'm thinking like, do my are the levels right? Is is the sound okay? Mm-hmm. Am I asking the right questions? Am I listening well enough? Like I'm, I feel like I can't. I have a hard time just. I want it to just be like a normal conversation like you'd have, but it's it's not yeah. exactly that. And there's also kind of a performance. There's like a kind of, a little bit of performance in there because you, you know that someone's going to be listening to it. So you're kind of thinking about that. 
mm-hmm. you're doing. I know exactly what you mean. And that's one of the big things that I had a problem with when I started studying radio is what happens if the equipment fails? What happens if it stops recording? What happens if the microphone goes down? What happens if the cables burn out? What happens if this? What happens if that? But there's only so much time you can spend worrying about that, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because you can either spend all your time... That's why it's good to do things with somebody else, like have a producer in the, in a radio station. Because they'll monitor the level. They'll tell you if anything burns out. They'll also keep you on time as well. But if you're a one-man band like I am and like you are, you have to trust the equipment, which sounds terrifying because we all want to make sure that it's peaking. We all want to make sure that it's recording properly. But you have to... to and I'm not speaking specifically to you. I'm not telling you what you must do. This is your show. You, you do what you feel comfortable doing. But... There comes a point where you can either worry about the thing, worry about the equipment and about the recording levels and neglect what's happening with the guest, or you can focus on the guest and just let the equipment do its job. If the equipment's going to burn out, if the equipment's going to explode, it's going to explode. There's nothing you can do whether you're watching it or not. But if you spend too much time focusing on about it, it will affect what you're doing does that make any sense at all? yeah yeah, yeah. My head? i think that's where i'm at with doing this is like i want it to be a thing that's i mean i like podcasts that's i got into it because i like podcasts and i like microphones and stuff like that and uh yeah i, I enjoy like have, just getting to sit and listen to other people have conversations and kind of it kind i think it's I, I, you know you, your mind can kind of wander off wherever and uh, so it's fun to try to provide that, I guess. Yeah. It's funny because, like, I-, I was thinking earlier today that I- I've I've talked to a few people, like, just today, but I haven't had, like, a lot of just actual conversations. So it's funny to, like, it feels strange to sit down and put on, plug in a microphone and, like, you know, talk to someone on, like, not the complete other side of the world, but someone pretty far away. And suddenly mm. you're like in conversation mode. <laughs> like, why am I yeah. only doing it now that I'm recording? You know what I mean? Yeah. I think mm. that's why podcasting has become such a big industry. And it is becoming an industry, no matter what anybody tells you, it is becoming an industry. That's why it's become so big because when you're hanging out with your mates, you sit and you talk shite. It's like, what would happen if you shaved tuber? Or what would happen if you took a banana and you shoved it somewhere? And those are the conversations you have with your friends, just sitting, chatting, talking bullshit. And that's what people like about pod. This is what this is what I mm-hmm. think. That's what people like about podcasting, because it's like you're listening to a conversation with your friends. And mm-hmm. there's such a variety of it. Like there's comedy podcasts, there's news podcasts, there's 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 audio drama podcasts now. Like audio drama is becoming a podcast, a podcast medium, and. Yeah. It's like you can sit and listen to to your friends talking. And if you agree with them, you can get them on Twitter and be like, yeah, I agree with that thing you said. You can, you can tell them, no, I disagreed with that. That can influence the conversation, which is interesting because if you do it, you can't really have a conversation with people on radio. Like people can text into the show and tell me how crap I am or something. They can mm-hmm. leave a message on Facebook, but you can't, there's no real interaction whereas on a podcast i think there is if somebody sends you an email i had an email from such and such they said peter talked for 50 minutes and didn't say anything useful right so there's that that's that's what i think that's my theory about podcasting that yeah that's um i feel like one of the reasons i like doing this i keep talking about my own stuff but we're trying to have a conversation that sounds normal that's what's happening (laughs) I've forgotten how to have normal conversations that don't end with me introducing Kesha or telling some time. <laughs> do you want to introduce Kesha just to do it? She won't be it here. It would make me feel better. This is Jeff Grant's Evolving Podcast. My name is Peter Greenwood. I am not Jeff Grant, but you're here with me. We are talking so many things. And when we come back, we are going to continue this conversation. But first, here's Kesha. Stay with us, will you? Oh, God. That's good. I should put that at the beginning. <laughs> You'll confuse the 
shit out of <laughs> Or no, I mean, I think I was just echoing what you were saying is like, I, I feel like so the way people interact these days is or like, I, I like Twitter a lot. And it's a lot of that type of just, was it 280 characters or however long? Mm-hmm. And just all this kind of like t- talking in little bits to each other and, uh, you know, you get on Facebook and maybe things are not so, uh, you know, they're a little ugly over there sometimes. Yes. I like yeah. the idea of, of uh, for the podcast. I, I feel like when I sit and I talk to somebody, I can, if, if I can understand where they're coming from, it always makes me, I want to know like the person behind the like, you know, crazy opinion that, or opinion that just sounds like insane <laughs> to me, like, you know. I used to kind of want to be like that. I used to want to talk to flat earthers and that kind of thing. But then, how to say this nicely in a in a friendly, family friendly way? Uh, some political things happened in the United States a few years ago, mm-hmm. and I found so much of that was disgusting. The way people reacted to each other mm-hmm. that I didn't want to know about them. Does that make me sound shallow? Like no, it makes you sound like a human being in like 2019, I think. I'm so glad. Oh, well, hang on. There we go. I stepped away from the mic for a second. I'm so glad because I've always wondered because so many people said to me after 2016, shall we say, you must be so happy doing a daily show. It's like a daily comedy show. <laughs> you can do anything based on the news. And I'm like, yeah, I could, but this is real life. This is affecting people. This isn't funny. That's actually a good, how do you, uh, that's, that's an interesting thing to, to talk about. Cause like if, if you're kind of out there, you know, as a public voice or whatever, do you feel mm-hmm. the pressure to, to discuss like news things or do you feel like you want to kind of distract or, or just like get people, help people like think of something else for a little while or have a break or a little bit of all those things. Because I used to do the Daily Drive Time show. It was mm-hmm. an excuse to interact with the news. And because of the time of day, I was I'd got, I got—I—I was on air at like 4 o'clock, 5 I forget when the Drive Time show started. I think it might have been 5 o'clock. But I was on air. Most of the late night comedians were on the air. Or any comedy shows were on the air. So I kind of had the chance to make the jokes first. But now, being on Radio Siberia in the, a Sunday <laughs> where seven people and their toads listen, by the time I get to something that's happened during the week, 12 people have already made the exact same joke I could make. So yeah. that's been kind of limiting. But I do think it's important to keep people up to date with what's... If there's been a mass terrorist event, for example, I think it's important to deliver that in a concise manner and a proper manner. I don't do jokes about that kind of thing. I was on air the day after the Manchester Arena bombings, the Italiana Grande. Mm -hmm. Do you remember that? Yep. I was on air the day after that, and it was utterly devastating. I couldn't get through that show because the news was coming in and the death toll was rising the day went on. And by the time I got on air... I can't, I wouldn't even attempt to make any kind of light of this, or I'm not even going to attempt to make any kind of jokes today. This isn't going to be a normal show. So I just kind of spent the show reporting what had happened and updating people on what had happened. And that, in a way, was kind of cathartic because I was talking through it as an utterly devastating and heartbreaking event that had happened. And it was as much for me to get it out of my system as it was for the audience to get it out of their systems. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Someday somebody is going to be on air and I hope it's, and I don't mean this in any kind of sensitive way. Somebody is going to be on air when event happens, shall we say? And I know that there's going to be some DJ out there who's going to try to be so clever and so funny about it, and it's going to backfire drastically. And you have to be so careful about big events like this. 
Yeah, I feel like it would be di- these days. It would be difficult to say the wrong. I don't know. It seems like everything is the wrong thing to say almost. Exactly. You also you almost judge which hill you want to die on. Mm-hmm. Like you can't say something without offending somebody nowadays. And if it's a big event, you shouldn't be aiming to upset upset anybody anyway. But there's always going to be somebody who's saying, oh, you're biased, you're reporting it this way, or you're not giving us the full facts. It's like, we can only give the facts as we get them. Right. It's tricky. Yeah. I do know people who are there in the UK as 9-11 was happening. Mm. And I've spoke to them about how they managed to get through that day. And they've said it's one of the worst things they've ever, ever had to report on because entire, entire stations had to dump their entire programming. Like you couldn't do a drive time show. You couldn't do an early evening specialist show because everything was just focused on the news and what was happening in New York and in Washington. And it's the hardest thing to have to report on that and not get caught up in disinformation. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it can be a difficult time, difficult job at times doing radio. I wanted to ask, like, you're kind of in the thick of of doing your show. Like, what are your like long term goals for your career? Long term goals. I think. What I really like to do, and this is what I'm kind of aiming towards, is, and this may sound silly because everybody wants to do this, I'd kind of like to do a television version of this. Mm-hmm. I think the format of this show lends itself very well to television in kind of David Letterman used to do in the 80s or late night and kind of what Coon does as well. Mm-hmm. I think I'm very well suited to that. So I'd love to do a television version of this. Uh... I'd love to do it in more countries. I'd love to be more international. That's something I'm hoping to accomplish by the end of this year. So always hoping to push forward. Just make it as big and as good as I can. Bigger guests, bigger events, bigger everything. You you talk a lot about like late night hosts and uh mm-hmm. I know you have some that you like you mentioned Conan and Letterman and like people I know I've talked to you and I've, you you have some that you are a big fan of, and then you have some that you're just like, you do not like. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I don't want to be negative, but I want to, I'm curious why, from your perspective, why you aren't a fan of certain people. I'm trying to, is there a, <laughs> how's a nice way to talk about that? Why is James Corden shite? <laughs> That's the best way of putting it. I feel like you might have a, a different perspective on it than I, I would. And I would wonder, I'm kind of curious where. Go ahead. I don't, well. Go ahead. Here comes the thing, is that I started watching Letterman when I was probably in my early to mid-teens, I want to say. I saw an interview that he did with Natalie Portman, and I loved Natalie And I was convinced I was going to marry Natalie Portman, and I still might. There's still a chance. But I saw a clip of the interview that she did on, on the old Late Show. And I was like, oh, this guy's good. Who is this guy? So I researched more about Letterman. And Letterman led me to Conan, who hadn't taken over The Tonight Show. We're talking early... We're talking about 2002, 2003. So this was still before Late Night and went off to do The Tonight Show. And Jay was still doing The Tonight Show and stuff. So mm-hmm. from Conan, you find, about, find out about Leno. Let, from Leno, you find out about Johnny Carson. And... Those guys, the old guys, Carson and Conan and Letterman, not so much Leno, I don't like Leno, but those guys became idols for me Mm -hmm. because they did something every single night and they did it funny and they did it clever and they did it with such style and coolness. These were the cool guys as far as I was concerned. Again, remember I grew up in a place with absolutely nothing. So watching these guys on... In fact, 
this the, the Tonight Show aired on what was CNBC. I don't know if it still is. I haven't mm-hmm. looked at the channels in ages, but it used to air on CNBC, and then the Late Show would start airing on a channel called ITV2, and. <clears throat> That was where I really started watching these guys and learning what they did. Because remember, I always wanted to be a performer. So watching these guys basically do stand-up every night was a real lesson for me. Mm -hmm. So Johnny Carson, in particular, is somebody who I don't think enough people talk about these days. Uh, He was was the Tonight Show. There is no Tonight Show as we know. As we know it today, we'll get onto that, without Johnny Carson, because he was so cool. Mm-hmm. Even in his later years, when he was an older man, and his guests were kind of old, and it looked kind of like it was for old people, you kind of smell them off sometimes. <laughs> the comedy, the writing was still pitch perfect for Johnny Carson. And Letterman had the exact same kind of coolness about him, but... What I liked about Letterman is he wasn't afraid to go out the studio. He wasn't afraid to go and talk to people on the street or go into a shop and interview a shopkeeper. Mm. Yeah. And over here, you never do that. Never in a million years. Like, it's just something that didn't happen on television. It still doesn't happen on UK television. So seeing how... The show worked technically when they had to do an outside broadcast was absolutely fascinating for me. So for me, those guys are the era of cleverness, which doesn't exist anymore because Dave retired, Conan's languishing in TBS limbo, uh, Carson passed away in 2005, so he's not really a thing anymore. So now you have what is the current generation of late night. And the only person who I really watch regularly is Colbert. Yeah, I like and Colbert, Stephen Colbert. Yeah. yeah. I, here's the thing is that I didn't <laughs> get the Colbert report when I first saw it. I yeah, thought, yeah. What is this? What the fuck is this? What is this? What is this? Because it followed The Daily Show. And again, being from over here, I didn't get that it was a thing. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. So when I got the Colbert rapport, it was it was genius. It was fantastic. So when he was announced to be taking Letterman, I was like, okay, this could be this could be interesting. So Colbert took over from Letterman and James Corden took over from Craig Ferguson and Jimmy Fallon took over from Jay Leno. And that's where the shows diverge because Things Colbert is doing in the monologue, particular, and I'm not again. I'm not going to be political because I don't know how you you know how your audience leans. That's your business. But it seems to me that the things Colbert are doing is he's providing an outlet in times that are trying, shall we say? Mm-hmm. So that's why I like what Colbert is doing. For a start off, I didn't like James Corden when he was over here. He was an arrogant, stuck-up, selfish prick. His whole joke, look at me, aren't I so fat? Ha, ha, ha. That was his whole thing. <laughs> that was his joke. And it's like, okay, yeah, okay, what else do you have? Yeah, but look at me, aren't I so toppy? Ha, ha, ha. Fucking idiot. So when it was announced he was taking over the Late Late Show, for a start off, I was devastated Craig Ferguson's. I loved Craig Ferguson. Do you remember Craig Ferguson? Oh, yeah, yeah. He was brilliant. I loved Craig Ferguson, the Late Late Show, but he left and Corden was his replacement. And particularly with Jimmy Fallon, going from Corden to Fallon, I feel those guys are... (sighs) How to say this? Bastardizing the franchise. The Tonight Show, since 1962, when Johnny Carson took over from Jack Parr, has been the greatest franchise in the history of television. Every single night, Johnny Carson got up there and he did his monologue, which was the news of the day. And then Leno did it. And then Conan did it. 
And then Leno stabbed Conan in the back, fuck you, Leno, <laughs> and took it back. But it was still The Tonight Show. It was still the home where you went to the news. It was where you went for intelligent humor. And now it's just three and a half minute clips of, hey, uh, I, I've got The Rock here with me, everybody. Uh, look at The Rock. And uh, we're going to play table tennis. And uh, yeah, we're going to play table tennis and see who can say the alphabet backwards fast. Isn't it so funny? Isn't it funny? <laughs> everybody, The Rock's here. <laughs> and that's all Jimmy Fallon does. He makes three and a half minute YouTube clips. And that's not The Tonight Show. Now, you could argue the show has to move the times. It has to do bits that keeps an audience interested. And it has to promote the brand and promote the network. But there's a better way to do it. Colbert is proof that there is a better way to do a late night talk show than just getting The Rock, getting Justin Timberlake, getting Selena Gomez, getting whoever. Well, and I, making them do something ridiculous. I know what you're saying. I, I know that his he's not my favorite, or Jimmy Fallon isn't, but I know a lot of younger people who are like, he's like their guy, and like he's like mm -hmm. their Conan O'Brien kind of thing. Yeah. And, uh, I get that. I get that Jimmy Fallon to these kids is what Conan was to us growing up because conan used to do in the year 2000 he had masturbating bear he had fedex pope <laughs> do you remember fedex pope by the way uh i don't it was think i remember was that brian, i'd remember the other two it was brian mccann and he had the cloak of the pope and he had a fedex box on his head <laughs> like just a fedex box and he'd come out and say the most ridiculous thing it's just called that the show FedEx was pope. i i love watching his late night show. I remember that. That was yeah. just, man, that was good. <laughs> it was just something funny. And that's the good thing about the old Conan show, because it was on at 1230. Mm -hmm. And Conan took over from Letterman. And the 1230 show was after the network stopped care. Because when Letterman did the first late, did the first incarnation of late night, it was after Johnny Carson. And Carson was the big show. Carson was what everybody wanted to see. And after that, everybody went to bed, except for the college kids who were studying there, hanging out with friends. So they put this show on. There's Dave jumping in a in a in a, a bottle of Alka Seltzer with the, ta the tablets on him and stuff. So that's what it that's what it was. That's why those shows are good. But now it's just oh Seth Myers, don't get me started on Seth. Fuck a duck. It's like he's got a whole studio, but all he does is sit behind his desk. He doesn't do a monologue. He doesn't go out the studio. He doesn't do anything on the studio floor. Like, he could literally do it in a broom closet. Excuse me. So Okay, okay, okay. I, I think I got your uh, late night. <laughs> yes, yeah. After about <laughs> I 10 asked minutes, I have my, my grips, yes. So, I, yeah, to put it to summarize, I just don't think these guys are doing late night any justice or the legacy of late night any justice. It's interesting to me that you're like a guy from Scotland and you're deeply invested in in this stuff. Like, I'm I'm curious. Like, this feels like a self-centered question as far as being an American. But like, is is your interest like in this stuff? Is it typical for pe like the people around you? Is everybody into not not uh, not necessarily like late night host, hosts or whatever, but like a do they pay attention to all the, um, what's going on with America? Not so much the late night. Uh, political stuff, again, uh, is a big topic of discussion because we have our own issues going on here, shall we say? Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's kept up to date with what's happening. But I'm really the only person who cares, but... Conan O'Brien got stabbed in the back back in 2009 or I'm the only person who misses Jeff Peterson the gay robot from the Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson and if I may seg this back into radio sure political and you kind of asked this question a little bit earlier how do I do the news political stuff isn't really allowed UK politics isn't allowed because if I talk about one political party then the other political party can complain, oh, you spend too much time talking about this party. 
why aren't you talking about us? You're biased against them, to which I would say, go fuck yourself, but we're not allowed to say that. We need to give each political party a certain amount of time. So if I give one party three minutes and 12 seconds, I need to give the other party three minutes and 12 seconds. So it's easier just to avoid it, especially as because my show is branded a comedy show. And I could say some things that people wouldn't necessarily find funny. And I'd be in. So UK politics is very much off the table. But US politics, I can go for it. It's fantastic. Good old times. Yeah, in America, it's it's kind of becomes a personal thing. It's a little more like... Yes. If someone voted for whatever. I, I don't, we don't have mm. to get into that. I, don't, I just don't yeah. feel like getting into it. Yeah, we could be here for another hour. And... <laughs> I've already taken up a lot of time already. Why don't we wrap this one up and then we'll move over to your, your show? Should we do that? I, I mean, is that too bl- um, blunt or uh Not at all, not at all. I'm I'm more than happy to do that. Should we okay. do you want to do an I don't know how you end your shows. How do you end your I'll just I guess I'll say thank you for coming. <laughs> thank you for I coming on this co- this conversation is not actually over. If you wanna go to the second part of this conversation, you need to find Peter's show. It's called it's called Pete the Peter Gr- Greenwood show. Yep. Okay. And you're your episode is going to come out on Sunday? Yeah, it'll be airing on Sunday. Okay. Maybe I can put this out around the same time. Sometime. Imagine if you didn't manage to put this show out on Sunday and not my show. We're like, welcome to part two! Uh, I'll try to put oh, mine what? out by Saturday night. It'll Actually, I could probably do it before then. Okay. Well, if you're listening to this and you got this far and you want to hear more of this conversation... Uh, his show will be coming out Sunday. Is will the podcast be coming out that day too? Uh, I don't know. It doesn't matter. So at some point, it will be there. Will be another part to this somewhere. Yeah, something like it's that. been fun being here though. It's not often I get to be on other people's shows because I'm normally too busy doing my own, so nobody really invites me on their shows. But so thank you for having me on your show, Jeffrey. Thank you for doing this. Seriously, thank you My for pleasure. doing this at like. What time is it? Like four or five? Twelve minutes past four. But who's counting? In the morning. Not in the yep. afternoon. <laughs> not in the afternoon. In the morning. <laughs> Thank you. My pleasure, Jeff. Okay. Uh, all right. Thanks for listening, everybody. All right. Bye. <laughs>